Welcome to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brings you great encouragement. All right, good morning. If you'd open your Bibles to Exodus, uh, we'll be kind of hanging out in Exodus 14 through 17 and kind of pick up a couple of verses here and there throughout that uh, portion of those chapters. Uh, We've been in uh, Exodus for two weeks now. This is our third week. Our first week, we were reminded of and assured of God's uh, presence and God's power to deliver, uh, deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, I really wanted for the sort of reassurance for us that Christ is present in our life, that he is the one who has rescued us from sin and death. And last week, we looked at the commandments of God and that there is a relationship between the Israelites and God, that God is a God of relationship, that the commands of God do not come from the oppressive regime like Egypt, but from the redeeming father, Yahweh. And that our relationship with God comes, or because we have a relationship with God, his commands don't seem oppressive as Egypt was, but they are life-giving and they are better than any, uh, than any other way to follow the ways of God and his commands. And that we have this life, uh, in Christ and his commands to love one another and to love God. And so as we kind of put those, uh, two foundational pieces, uh, in front of us this morning, I wanted to just take a moment today to give you the encouragement that we have the reassurance of God's presence and power. We have a relationship with him in which we listen and obey. And today, I want to talk to us about resilience and faith, that there's something that the book of Exodus and Numbers will teach us about being resilient in our faith, about staying strong and trusting in Christ. Let's pray. God, this morning we come before you uh, tired from a busy week, tired from uh, the exhaustion of of life and busyness and hurriedness. God, we come before you uh, this morning weary from uh, the worries of our life and the struggles of family, of circumstances that uh, have upended and changed our lives. So, God, we come together this moment to recognize that life is difficult. Life has so many things going on for each of us. And the Lord, that there are many challenges to walking with you and trusting in you. So today, God, I'd ask that you would simply meet us right here where we are to guide us, comfort us, to challenge us, to give us wisdom and discernment. God, that today and tomorrow we might continue in lockstep with you, walking with you, trusting in you, knowing that you're faithful and you're present in our lives. God, so we open our hearts to you and to your word. We pray, God, that that you would speak to us through your spirit, that you would comfort us today. Give us your strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I already shared with you that our family, we're going to be heading off to Michigan. No matter how many times I've driven home to Kalkaska, I can guarantee a question's going to be asked. 
they'll say, are we there yet? Uh, and we'll tell them to look out the window and figure out that, no, we are not there yet. We still have a little ways to go. It's about four and a half hours home. And uh, thankfully, there's more bypasses now, and it's a little bit quicker of a trip uh, than it was many years ago. But it's still four and a half hours, no matter how you slice it. And so it is a bit of a trip. My children can't handle four and a half hours. The Israelites, they wandered for 40 years. Um, you know, when you start putting those things sort of in perspective, uh, four hours versus 40 years, it's kind of like, yeah, I think I could tolerate my children uh, for four hours today. It, it will be all right. We will, we will get there. Uh, but for 40 years, that would be a little bit, uh, that'd be a little more difficult, wouldn't it? And can you imagine, um, have you ever had like, you know, a day where you just ate the same thing all day? Um, basically, it's like when you make chili on Sunday and you have chili like all week, you know, and that's that's just it for you. And after that, you're kind of like, you know, I think I'm going to take a little break from chili for a while and your stomach in the bathroom thanks you. And uh, that's potty humor for you just to wake you up a little bit. I know it's inappropriate, but I said it. The uh, You get so tired of that same meal over and over and over again. You don't, you're, you're just like, oh, I'd. I, I could go another year without eating it. The poor Israelites, they spent 40 years eating the same meal. So today in our text, we're going to look at a few things. And what happens today is the Israelites do something that you all are really familiar with doing. They complain. <laughs> they complain. Who, who here complains about the price of groceries? Who's complained about the price of groceries? Literally, every time you walk out of the store and be like, I spent $90 at Meyer for the short list. You know how you go, you have the big list, and then you do the follow-up for the things that you forgot? The forgot list wasn't supposed to be that high. It's usually like 20 bucks. It was $90, and I complained the entire way home. $90, and it was, oh, I might still be complaining. Who's complained about gas prices? Who's complained about politics? Who's complained about coworkers? Who's complained about, yeah, who's, I won't go any further. Like, I won't ask you to complain about spouses. You know, we'll, we'll leave that, right? It's too low hanging of fruit for me. I would never make that joke. Um, and so as we think about our lives, we, we really truly complain a lot. And here's the challenging thing. Here's the sort of like, the stuff of faith and what God is doing. I think that God is calling us to a life in Christ in discipleship where we, we learn to trust and know that God is with us, that Christ is victorious, and that we have new life in him. And that should fundamentally change how we navigate, navigate the world and how we treat one another. Because of who Christ is and what he's done for you, because of of having life in him and being a disciple of Jesus, then my everyday life should be a little bit different than uh, somebody else's who doesn't know Christ and what he's done for them, that who doesn't know of life in his kingdom. And so there's this really sort of challenging question that I think that when we start thinking about Christianity, we need to kind of have the right sort of perspective on. And the question is, is, Christianity about where you are going, or is it about who you are becoming? And I would say that a lot of Christianity has spent a lot of time talking about going to heaven. And they've made the bulk of 
whether or not you're in or out of the waiting room for heaven. And we've spent not as much time focusing on who we are becoming on our way there. And so sometimes then we sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. That um, that phrase, I don't know if that's the right phrase for this, but I think that we say, okay, well, we don't want to just focus on heaven, but we also need to focus on who we are becoming. And then we'd start emphasizing only that. And I think that for us, we need to kind of use the story of Israel and what they're doing in the book of Exodus as a sort of encouragement for us today, an encouragement for you right here in this moment to say, I am hoping for heaven and restored creation and life with God. But I am also very interested in the day-to-day things of my life that I would become who Jesus is calling me to become. And so we got to hold these things together and say, I want to be transformed in Christ today. I want to live a life where I'm not filled with complaint. I want to be filled with joy. I want to be filled with gladness. I want to be filled with the hope that God has planted in me because Jesus is victorious over sin and death and that I share in that life and I share in that freedom. I share in Jesus and his spirit. I don't want to be... I don't want to be who I was. I want to be who Christ is calling me to be. I want to be renewed in his image. I want to look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. Is that is that your story? Are you with me there? And I think that the story of the Israelites helps us sort of kind of get a window into our own hearts and what we need. When we look then at uh, at their story, now, one more thing I wanted to say, this journey, this journey of faith, if you're with me on that, that God is leading us to the promised land of a new life and new heaven, restored creation. If you're with me on that, that God is doing something today to transform you and renew you and make you into his image, it's going to take two things. It's going to take steadfastness, and it may also take suffering. And here's what I mean by that that if we're going to have what this means is resilience and faith, because we may not, um, to get where we're going and to become who we need to be, we have to be resilient. To get where we're going and who God is calling us to be, we have to be resilient. And resilience means steadfastness and suffering. And here's what it means. Suffering means it's going to hurt more than we thought it would. And steadfastness means that it's going to take longer than we expected. It's going to hurt more than we want it to hurt, and it's going to take longer to get there than we thought it would. It's like a long, long trip with your parents going north. I'm just prepping my children. It's going to take a long time. It's going to hurt. But it is for us a long journey has your Christian has your Christian walk taken longer than you expect? Are you who you thought you would be today that 20 years ago you thought, oh, I'd never still be struggling with that? Are you today realizing that God is still at work and you're still a work in progress? Uh, I am almost as old as 
I'm almost 40 years old, almost as long as the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. And I start putting that into perspective, all the things that I have learned and all the things that have changed and all that I've become and all that I have. That at the start of the journey of my life, it was just, I, don't have, I didn't start with what all I have right now. And I think that that's the point of the 40 years that they would have something that would shape them and hold them and form them and forge them and make them into what they are to be when they finally arrive where God's calling them to. How much changes in 40 years? How much changes about yourself? And so let's look at kind of the heart of the forming of all of this. We've kind of been dancing in the teens of the uh, book of Exodus. Next week, we're really going to focus in on chapter 16, but I want for you to see a few of the complaints of the Israelites. Basically, their complaints are this, we are going to die. That's their message. I don't know that we all complain about that too much, but here in verse uh, chapter 14, uh, we'll pick up, uh, we'll go ahead and pick up at chapter 14 at the start of it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Harhiroth between Migdal and the sea. You know, right there. They're right alongside the Red Sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposed to Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites, Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion. They're hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So now the Israelites are encamped alongside the Red Sea. And In verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. Pharaoh's complaining, I've lost my workforce, let's go get him. And so he had his chariot made ready, and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who are marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them, as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They are backed against a wall, and what do they do? Do they sing praise or do they complain? <laughs> They're complaining. It's like, there are graves back in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? To suffer and die? Moses, he answers the people in verse 13. 
He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord, what will he do? The Lord will fight for you. And what do you need to do? You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you, and you only need to be still. It reminds you of Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. You know, one of the things that life has taught me is is that I like to be a, a little bit of a control freak. I like to have control. I want to control outcomes. I want what I want. And we have been given a lot of things that we can control. We can We can get what we want when we want for the most part. And then we complain about it when we do get it. Right. We do a lot of complaining. The Israelites here are complaining that God is against them. And they very much need to know that in this moment that feels very much outside of their control, God is in control. God is in control that God is going to minister to them and deliver them, and all they have to know is that God is going to fight for them, and God will deliver, and God will care for them. He says, be still and know. Just be still and know. And that can be a very hard thing for us when life is not going as expected. Who's really good at being still? Anybody? I don't think so. We like to get busy. We like to get working. We like to solve the problem for ourselves, but we will face things that are far bigger than we can handle on our own. Many of you have faced those challenges. You faced the horrible challenges of lost loved ones. You face moments where you've been laid off of work. You face moments with sick children. You face moments in your life where you have been so broken and so hurt and things are so out of control. And the message that was to the Israelites with their back against the wall is still the message that we need to hear today to know that God is God. He is in control. He cares deeply for you. He is fighting for you. And you simply need to rest and be still in him. There's a part of you that says, I believe that to be true, Jordan. But the other part of me says, don't I have to do something about it? And this is the lesson that the Israelites are trying to learn, that God is going to fight for them. God is going to part the waters. God is going to rescue them. God is going to work. We trust. We must trust in him. We keep moving forward and hurry through this text a little bit faster here. In Exodus 15.22, we see the story of the waters at Marah. Then Moses led the Israelites from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. What they, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So that people, so the people grumbled. You know, if you had a thesaurus, complain and grumble are you know our buddies. So the people complained against Moses, saying. What are we to drink? Again, it's not necessarily uh, as dramatic as, hey, you know, were there no graves in Egypt? But in this moment, they're complaining 
we are going to die. We have nothing to drink. We've been wandering in this wilderness, and there is nothing for us. What are we going to drink? What are you going to do? How is God going to help us? How is God going to get me through this? This is not what I signed up for. The Lord issued a ruling. I'm sorry, I skipped a part. 25. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. God invented Kool-Aid that day, right? There the Lord issued a ruling, an instruction for them, and he put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord, if you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and you keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God reveals himself in this moment, and he says, if you will listen. So if you're putting things together for yourself this morning, instead of trying to control situations, we're called to be still and trust in God and know that he's God. And then he says in this moment, if you would listen and obey, if you would just listen to me, be still enough to listen to God. Who does really well at that? How many distractions? I I am so frustrated with myself at times. I'm just like, Jordan, you know to be still and listen to God. And all I do is make myself busier and busier to try and find an answer. I go to so many different distractions, whether it's my phone or the pantry or some other P word, uh, you know, our, my preferred distraction. When the answer is to be still and to listen and obey and trust in God's ways over my own. It's going to take longer to get there than expected, and it's going to hurt a lot more than you want. But God will get you to where he wants you to be, transformed and renewed with new life in Christ. And here in this moment, he's seeing all of the complaints, and he's saying, friends, I need you to know this. Listen and obey. Trust in me. You can trust in my ways. You can trust in me. The trust challenge continues in 16, where uh, we'll look just at the first few verses of chapter 16. The whole Israelite community, they set out from Elim, came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled, complaining again, against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Here they are complaining again. God, just give us death. Give us death instead of what we're going through right now in this moment. It's taking longer than expected, and it's hurting more than we wanted. Just take us back to where we've been. And the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. I 
will. I will. God, he reaches to the hearts of the people and he says to them, I will care for you. People will go out each day and they will gather enough every day. It's going to hurt a lot more than they want it to. It's going to take longer for them to get where God is leading them. But all of the all along the way, God is teaching them that I will provide and you can trust in me. What is it that God is trying to teach them by giving them the same meal every single day? We get so lost in variety. We get lost in the, you know, I can't... Um, you know, Wendy could ask me, go get taco seasoning. How many different taco seasonings could there possibly be in this world? I mean, you just want tacos. You're like, go get tacos. And instead, there's mild, there's medium, and there's hot. And there's 10 different companies that make it. And one, you know, I, you guys didn't come today to hear about taco seasoning. But that is just one thing in which there are a thousand variants. And somehow we have attributed, somehow we have made variety the aim of our life. That we should have all that we want, whenever we want, in whatever taste that we want it, that variety is the spice of life. I wasn't trying to do that, but that's how it all worked out. And God is teaching them simply this. I am going to be consistently, persistently, steadfast and faithful to you day in and day out, so reliable every morning of every day you will awaken to the presence and knowledge that I am here and providing and blessing and caring for you. Would you, uh, I heard this this week at lunch with the senior saints. Would you rather have a a steak once a week, or actually not would you rather, it's a, it is better to have a sandwich every day than a steak once a week. That was a Bobism from from our time together around the table. And it had me thinking, that's a good old wise saying. Better to have the consistency and faithfulness and steadfastness than having one good meal a week, and that's all you had. It wouldn't be enough to live on. But to have a steady flow of God's faithful presence reminded day in and day out is a reminder for 40 years that God is present and faithful, and they can trust in him. What are the consistent things in your life of God's mercy, provision, and grace? What are the things that you wake up to in the morning that are a reminder that God is there, that God is present, that God is merciful and forgiving, that this new day is something God is providing you? And it could be just simply looking at the sunrise and the sunset. It could be as simple as looking to the family around you and looking to the pictures of your family. It could be a moment of prayer. It could be just any sort of little nugget in this moment that would be a reminder for you day in and day out of God's steadfast faithfulness in your life. Are you reminded of his mercies each morning, his faithful presence and his grace for you? Pay attention to God. It's not in the variety. It's in the consistency of God. 
faithfulness, persistence. If we're going to become who God's calling us to be, we need to be still. We need to listen and obey. We need to trust in his provision and his grace for us. And we also need his presence. If you look at next chapter, and this is it, landing the plane. Here we go. Chapter 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Here we go again. So they quarreled. You got your grumbling, you got your complaining, and now you have your quarreling. All friends with one another, all things that we do ourselves, and they quarreled with Moses. Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and live in livestock die of thirst? We're going to die again, God. Here you are. And Moses, he cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? That'll be me at Mount Cadillac. That's three hours north. What do you want me to do with these people, Lord? And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. And then look at verse 6. I will stand there before you by the rock at Oreb. We need to trust in his presence. Moses is assured by God that I will stand with you. Strike the rock and the water will come out for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord, saying this question. Is the Lord among us or not? In our lives, we will feel like there are moments where God is not with us. And that's where we need to circle back to each of these lessons and remind ourselves to be still. Be still and know that God is God and he's in control. Listen to him and obey. Trust in his faithful provision. Be reminded of his mercies each day. When you think that life has gotten you down a path that you don't see any way out, and there is so much pain and so much hurt, and all that there is left for you to do is to complain and grumble and quarrel, and it starts fighting back, right? Be still. Listen and obey. Trust in his provision. And be assured of this. God is faithfully present in your life. He is there with you. This journey towards Jesus and this journey towards life in him is going to take longer than you expected and it's going to hurt more than you ever wanted. But who you become on the other side of all of it is a transformed, renewed person who enjoys life eternally with Jesus Christ himself. All of you are at different points on your walk. Some of you have young kids that are waking you up in the middle of the night I've been there. You have to hang on to them. You can't get rid of them. 
And one day they'll become your favorite kid. The kid that stays up all night will eventually become your favorite. Um, I'm not naming names of mine, but uh, there will come times where you have to say goodbye to the people you've loved most. There will come times when you retire from your work and you say goodbye to friends. There will be times in which there's absolute heartache and suffering, death over parents, death over loved ones. There will come parts of our journey in Christ where what we believe and who we believe Jesus to be will run contradictory to the way the world thinks and the world reacts. Your journey with Christ, our journey together, it will take us longer than we want it to take and it'll hurt more than we want it to hurt. But who God is forming the Etna Green Church of Christ to be is a people who are forged through trials, forged through difficulties, who are melded together through the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ, who are transformed in the Spirit of God. And we have the kingdom of Christ in our hearts, and we live for King Jesus. And when we know this and we hold it to be true in our hearts, the hope of heaven and the things we have to endure, we are willing to be transformed so that we can have life eternally with him. So you might quarrel, and you might grumble, and you might complain. And that might just be me. But be assured of this. God is faithful and present. God is faithfully providing for us steadfast, consistently, day in and day out. Will you trust? Will you be still and know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? Can you be still this week? Take a moment. Can you look for his provision? Can you trust in his grace? God is providing for you. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for uh, today and the reminders of your word, the faithfulness of your son, Jesus, our Lord, who uh, certainly was steadfast, who certainly suffered. And God, I would imagine the cross felt like this hurt more than I expected, most certainly felt longer than he wanted it. But he endured the shame. He took the pain. He took our pain and our suffering and our sin, and he bore it on his shoulders, and he's rescued us. And so today, God, we look to your presence and your provision and your grace and your your faithfulness, God, and we turn to you, and we're still. We know that you're God. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand in response. Thank you for listening to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brought you great encouragement. Until next time, God be with you.